All right, before we get started, make sure to check us out on patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast for our bonus after hours episode following your listening of this podcast. Let's get the show started. Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we bring together two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of insurrection out of our mouths. (laughs) I am one of your hosts, Dave Gurney, and I am here with... Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. And so, yeah, if you're, uh, you know, living in this land, surviving, getting by, you you need something these days, right? And, And what better to get you through than beer and movies? Uh, that's how I'm feeling, at least. Talking we, about, picked, we picked a hell of a movie to try to get us through. <laughs> <laughs> two about, movies, we're too. We're talking yeah. about two movies tonight that I'm very excited about. Yeah. Me too, me too. The, these were kind of under my radar, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I should have known these were coming, because uh, th- this is a filmmaker I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is a, a project that has lots of things that just even on its surface I would be excited about. How did I not hear about it until people started popping these onto their year-end list? COVID. Uh, COVID. Maybe. Yeah. I, I remember when it came out. I didn't necessarily. I didn't know it was coming. It wasn't something I was anticipating. But I remember when it came out, I was like, "Oh, dang! Steve McQueen has a, a series." I, love- I thought it was like a series yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, of course, once all the year end. I things. love a good rabbit hole. It would. It would have had the con build up because the, the two of the films, the two we're going to look at tonight, uh, or, or you know, on this episode were con selections. I can, uh, I can no longer tolerate a rabbit hole that keeps us from moistening this <laughs> I can't tolerate it. <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let's get some... Let's because get we have some... a lot to say about our two movies tonight. Absolutely. Queen and, um, it's going to be a long one. I just think. when the episodes keep elevating every single week, and the idea of, of beer mail that gets us one state closer to the end of the country... Yeah. Uh, that we didn't expect. See the shining sea. That we didn't expect. So we had South Dakota last week. I had put some feelers out. Dudes, you did, yeah. Two more South Dakota beers Whew. from our new best friend, Marshall Tomey. Yeah, he took this seriously. I've got notes on both beers, but Super. I. Why don't we do one now and maybe one in the after hours? That's fantastic. Okay, so so, so generous of him to to give us Dude, these options. This guy's cool. We've been chatting, and he gave me the the skinny on these beers. Uh, this is from Wood Grain Brewing. Their Coco Bolo series, which is a milk stout, Imperial, uh-huh. that they then put in different barrels. This is apple brandy barrel. Ooh, okay? Yes. I know this is important. It's 11.1%. Ooh. Okay? In the barrel is cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla beans, and chili peppers. Right? Ooh. Okay. Or South Dakota's only, forgive us for being Texan. Oh, never mind. Don't do that at all. Uh, Jester King, the Jester King of South Dakota. This is the lone farmhouse. in South Dakota farmhouse brewery. Yeah. And this is their, it's called Car- uh, Covert Artisan Ales in Fate's Hands. Mm-hmm. Spontaneously fermented, unblended ale aged in rye barrels. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be less flavorful I- as far as the adjuncts are concerned. Sure. And this is a 7.5. Whew, do we want not to bad. S- what do you think? Both Cocoa hefty. Bolo. Both hefty enough. Yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> okay. Cocoa Bolo. So, I was going to say, if, if we're going to go where Carlos's heart usually wants to go, then I think the Cocoa Bolo yeah. the... But I'm excited to try that farmhouse after hours for sure. Yeah. 
All right, so... As Joe's getting that open. Yeah, and they're both wax cap bottles. This is just... Fancy. Thank you, Marshall. This is uh, exciting. And, and exciting that, you know, th- this uh, reaching out. Maybe that's what we need to do is more reaching out. But I, I'm hoping... So, you know, listeners are going to remember from last week that this brings us just one state that we don't have one beer from. One state shy. And I'm in talks Uh-oh. with somebody who I think is going to be able to help us out with that. So... Uh, I expect within the next few episodes, we may be able to reach that ultimate goal. But w- we, we will see. Listeners, hold your breath. Okay, so I asked Marshall, our new best friend, to tell me a little bit about the Coco Bolo. Yeah. He writes in a chat, Wood Grain, the, this brewery, was the first craft brewery, as long as you don't count Granite City, to open up in Sioux Falls. And continually put out stellar beers from more traditional styles like clean pilsners and lagers to thick, chewy stouts like the Coco Bolo I sent. They've gathered a pretty good following around here for not only being the first, but also being so consistently good. Now, that's the kind of data that you can only get from personal interface with your new beer best friends. That's right. Mm-hmm. That, no, I mean, it, it, it almost seems like Marshall should be on this episode. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's worded that perfectly. That That is uh, super exciting, and I'm, and I'm glad to have, obviously... A fan of his local scene, uh, pointing I'm, us in the direction of what he thinks some of the best stuff in that scene is. I'm smelling some brandy on the nose. When yeah, you get no, I, in the glass. I am too. There's a little booziness there. Uh, I'm looking forward. To this. I'm looking forward. This, to this. this is going to be fun. Yes, that smells good. <laughs> uh, I'll probably I'll probably leave that pause in. <laughs> I uh, that was just so you know, like the the visual during the pause. That was a true attempt at at capturing it uh in terms of its olfactory uh essence there's absolutely no reason why we should make fun of anyone really taking the olfactory portion of no. their beer experience no seriously. in fact I, I think that's more reason to leave it in that pause because yeah. we, we want to emphasize that carlos was really giving that the old uh sniff before the he said anything to beer yep. tastes good and beer smells good that's yeah i have to and I have to try harder for the smell because I have seasonal allergies, so I'm mostly congested uh, this time of year. And so it requires a little more effort and concentration from me. Um, mangrove. Uh, mangrove. Mangrove. So, yeah, as mentioned, um, this is a Steve McQueen film, but what makes it slightly interesting and maybe one of the reasons that we didn't, uh, weren't as cl- um as aware of it or whatever is because yeah. it's part of this anthology series yeah which super ambitious a very insane undertaking i mean we've seen uh, some anthology series uh over the last like five years or so like black mirror is the, yeah. probably the most popular and those tend to verge on the hour-long television episode style. Some right. of them even getting into like the full 60-minute mark. Maybe. Yeah, there have been a couple that have kind of gone up to closer to feature film length. Yeah. Exactly, but most of the time in the 40, 45-minute range. Yeah. Um, Joe Swanberg did that Easy series. Uh, yeah. That was a 30-minute yeah. comedy style. But Steve McQueen... Um, just shitting on all of them uh, because he was like, "Yeah, I'm making an schooling, antho- schooling them." Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm making an anthology series, and every episode is a feature film. Yeah, uh, and there are and, there are five, and correct? there's five, yeah. which is crazy that he did this because his last movie was 2018, Widows, yeah, 17, yeah, which was we did it on the podcast. which we did. Yeah. Um, let me. Make yeah. sure that I'm right. I'm pretty it was sure it's 2018. 20, I'm pretty sure it's 2018. So yeah. that was not long enough ago. 
to well, really sh- he should not have been able to do this I now feel. i don't i don't know too much about when these were actually shot but this is a project and i only know from reading the background right. since i've learned about it but that at least since 2012 has been in okay. development with okay. bbc so i think pieces have been p- put into place and i think originally it was thought it was going to be more intertwined stories and more serialized but eventually he gravitated towards the idea of no i'm going to do five kind of separate standalone you know stories within this setting Mm -hmm. you know yeah this yeah um so So we we chose two we chose the first two um as as mentioned earlier briefly uh they were selected to be screened at con film festival which happens in may of every year so obviously that um event was canceled in 2020 um and also if you're not familiar with steve mcqueen um which you should be, and you probably are, you just don't know it. He is an Oscar-winning filmmaker um, in the States, I guess, or in the mainstream, probably most well-known for directing 12 Years a Slave in 2013, but made his feature film debut, I believe, with Hunger in 2008, and then continued to work with Fassbender after that in Shame in 2011. Um, and then, yeah, we did. If you listen to this podcast, you know who he is because we did Widows in 2018. Mm-hmm. And he, and he, an interesting guy because he kind of came. I mean, film was always in his toolkit. He was an artist, a video artist, uh, yeah, video artist, installation artist, photographer. He, he did a lot of different forms, and then eventually, you know, did some short films that were also some of these parts of like installations. Yeah. But it, then finally in, you know, like you said, two thousand eight decided to actually make a feature length narrative film. At which point he's like in his late thirties. Yeah. 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 So kind like, of late comer yeah. to even uh, though, you know, he was instantly recognized as a major voice in filmmaking. Also has been knighted by the Queen. Fun fact. Didn't know that until wow. just now. So uh, he's did he's, anybody he's, he's Sir Steve McQueen. Did anybody watch any so we watch Mangrove and we'll talk about Lover's Rock in yeah. a little bit. But did, did anybody watch any of the others? I did. I, I have not, but uh Josh DeLeon has strongly <clears throat> urged me to finish it. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I, I will say, watch the rest. I have one remaining, so there's five. Okay. I've watched four of them. All of them absolutely worth your time. Yeah, I want to say uh, so well, I'm off the bat, spo- yeah, I guess. Off the bat kinda, spoiler. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. So so let's get into the plot yeah, of Mangrove. Yeah, let's get into Mangrove. Um this, if you watch this film, you'll find it very reminiscent of another film that we did like a month or two ago, Trial of Chicago Seven. Yes, uh, because absolutely. And and you know, unless you look it up ahead of time, I mean, I had a suspicion as I was watching this that it was based on true events. That was very thick. What you just poured. Uh, sorry, um, I had suspicions this was based on a true story, but it I'm follows. A thick boy. Uh, it follows the uh, story of the Mangrove Nine. Um, which were uh, a group of um, black... Of West Indian descent. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So they're from, like, I think they mentioned Trinidad specifically Tobago, a couple times, yeah. yeah. Um, that uh, were protesting uh, police violence against them That were because the police had been um, just indiscriminately raiding this restaurant called The Mangrove, accusing them of doing all sorts of things they weren't doing. Um, they go on trial for uh, riot and affray or something like that were the charges. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and other minor charges. And, yeah, and it you know it brings up all these issues of race in the UK and the, you know. Did you mention it was set in the early seventies? Yeah, nineteen seventy one. Which I, is when the trial took place. Is when right? the trial yeah. took place. Yeah, so nineteen seventy would be like the main events when it that starts. That's yeah. the film starts with. 
Um, I don't know if they mentioned that specifically ever in the film. I I did the math in my head yeah. because they talked about um, police constable Pulley. PC Pulley. PC, yeah. Uh, coming onto the force in 56 and being there for 17 years. And so, right, so that would uh, so be... That, um, yeah. Well, so, actually, that would be... 71. Is it? Yeah, okay, whatever, yeah. I think... I don't know if that math worked out, but yeah. Something like that. I I pieced together that it was early 70s. But yeah, and so the film follows Frank uh, Critchlow, who opens the mangrove, starts having problems with the cops. Which is a restaurant. Yeah, which is a restaurant. And then they serve spicy cuisine. (laughs) That's all we serve here, spicy cuisine. And then uh, this March demonstration protest happens. The police escalate the violence as they normally do, and then what? Two thirds of the film is the trial, roughly. It's a good chunk of it. Yeah, I mean, I would say more like half, but still a good. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, You know, they kind of show you what's going on. Right. Then we get into the trial, and then you follow it from there, and you you know, there's they take you all the way from the very beginning through like the selecting of the jury, through like hearing the first witnesses from the prosecution side, Mm -hmm. watching a a few of the defendants um, defend themselves and they get to cross witness the people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot that goes on in there in the trial. Procedural trial. Yeah. And like the Chicago seven, you've got a judge that's not, who doesn't give a fuck about these people. Right, and is not really... Rejects every motion that yeah. is he's cast, not there to proposal. He's not there to appreciate and join in in the social revolution that they are trying no. to... Or even no. give a fuck yeah. about these people. Right. It doesn't matter how compelling a case these lawyers make for the things that they're trying to do. Without really giving it a second thought, he says, motion denied, moving on. Yeah. You know, or I'll, I'll I think they call them proposals. I'll say this up top. It... it the the anthology series landed on, and I read the same things, David. It was intended on being something different when it yeah got, began, but it landed on McQueen saying aloud in interviews that he wanted to basically shine a kaleidoscopic light on the black experience at this time period in England when he was growing up. And I want to say, yeah. bef- just I've never done anything like this. Stay around for the second half of this because the what I want to the reason why I asked if you'd seen any of the others is because these two films are so remarkably different, very different. Sure, and that needs to be said, I think, to put them in the context of the anthology that he's trying to create here. Yeah, which is valuable and socially relevant and compellingly made, and you should Amazon Prime watch it. The other two films that you watch, David in this anthology of five, were they remarkably different as well in kind of style and tone? And They, they were a little closer. And, and maybe after I, I mean, hours... I mean, when you look at all four of them right. together. What, what I would say is, based on what I've seen, that Mangrove is probably a better template for how the rest of the series goes after Bummer. Lover's Rock. Okay. <laughs> no, it, but it, I think you'll like it. I mean, they're different. It's, yeah. I don't want to say... I mean, I'm not going to... There's no wa- courtroom drama. There is, yeah. a, there is strife in Lover's Rock, which we'll talk about, but this film's essential theme is strife. Strife within the social yeah. system of London at yeah. the time. And we know Notting Hill to be... Notting Hill is the area of London, West End, I think, that where this takes place. We know that mm-hmm. to be a place where... Beautiful movie stars fall in love with shopkeepers. Hugh Grant and sure. Julia Roberts. But yeah. in the what early movie is that? Notting, Notting Hill. Hill. <laughs> but in the early seventies, and you like rom com, so that should be on your list. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, you're the, you're the rom com guy. I yeah. should I should have put it together because I can see the poster vividly. In my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
the 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 essential the essential element here is that the police, which are all white yeah. and all racist, save the new recruit who's about to Who be instituted racist. into a systemically racist system, mm-hmm. is targeting this restaurant because it has become, like restaurants and communities do, a collective point for the black community that they're serving the food for right. and about. Right. And you're going to see then some rubbing shoulders with Black Panthers, and you're going to see... So all of that comes into the film. Yeah. And it comes into the film in a in a way that's reminiscent of Lover's Rock, which we'll talk about in a little while, of showing the beauty of a culture within a culture. Yeah. If we can dial it all down to just what's happening in this room with the music and the colors and the food and yeah. the laughter and the, and the life. Yeah. And those are beautiful moments. Yeah. Captured, I think, the best in 2020, looking at just a picture of life. And the mangrove then becomes a successful place for black thinkers to come and discuss a revolutionary moment in British history. Yeah, Letitia Wright's character is a uh, member of the Black Panther Party over there, and yeah, they're kind of meeting upstairs the mangrove. It's funny that you say the thing that you said. Uh, and said it the way you said it is because uh, I'm reading here that cast member Leticia Wright recalled that McQueen said he chose to tell the story because, quote, the window for our elder stories to be told is closing. Yeah. We can't allow them to pass away and become our ancestors without them seeing themselves, their culture, and everything they contributed to the country represented on screen. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful aspect of this film. Yeah. Is that he... And we can be manipulated. A filmmaker can show us his vision rather than truth. But we are led to believe that we are seeing truth. Yeah. It's a truth I choose to believe. Yeah. I I mean, I I will admit that I do not know my British history, especially Mm -hmm. late 20th century Mm -hmm. British history, um, in any way that would give me the place to be able to say whether or not this is great representation but based on what i've seen you know read since it seems like he stuck he stuck pretty closely to the facts of the, the sequence trial, yeah. of events yeah. that took place now obviously there's lots of interpretation still sure. that goes on but, and but telescoping does, for cinema yeah but mm-hmm. it does seem like the basics were there i agree with what you're saying joe i mean i i think that um you know, right out of the gate, the idea that, you know, the the film kind of starts with, here's this establishment that is, you know, yes, just a restaurant, but that because of its location, because of the clientele it serves, because of them having so few other options for anything that they can call theirs, mm-hmm. for anything that, that can actually be their space, that it becomes this important cultural um, gathering spot, this kind of community that that forms there among you know Black Panthers and then just other West Indian immigrants who are looking for others who have similar backgrounds, similar sense of like similar food, right? Ooh, I correct. mean, yeah. And and it's interesting, you know. So so I love it, you know. I love that set, that premise. I love the setting, even. When I watched it initially, I didn't even know it was based on a historical right. set of events. I just thought, oh, this is an interesting... I Googled it about halfway through. Right. Are, we, are we watching a got, representation of a moment in time, or are right. we watching a Chicago 7 situation? Right. I got Britain? the suspicion about halfway through, like, this seems like it really happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, once they got into the trial, I think, is where, yeah. where I finally felt like, oh, this is probably based on actual events. Yeah. And yeah. So, I, I mean, that, that was cool. But even before I knew that, I was sold on, oh, I want to see what unfolds here. This is an interesting you know, kind of uh, space in in a particular moment in time. I want to see what unfolds here. 
I love that it starts with Critchlow, the, the Frank Critchlow character, who's the restaurateur, right? The, the, the owner of this place. You know, he just wants a restaurant, right? I mean, he, he's kind of... Uh, he wants to make a living. He wants to make a living, and he wants, yes, to make a warm and inviting place for his clientele, but he's not interested in starting a revolution. He's not interested in mm-hmm. sort of being an incubator for these kind of ideas and stuff. In fact, he, I don't want drugs in my place because I can't, I can't do anything that arouses the suspicion of the large of the white police force. Right. So which, get your drug shit out of here. Which no, he I thought that was do, beautifully played. Which he can't do because he's black, and that arouses the suspicion of the police at this particular. But point don't in give time, the police so. any help. Let, let me get the illegal stuff out of here. Yeah, not that they don't need help. Right. Like. Right. I mean, and, he, and you know, the, uh, uh, the, there's that great scene where uh um you know leticia as uh, althea comes in and he's like you know are you here to like start something or are you gonna and she's no i want your food i want the crab and kalaloo and the, you know mm-hmm. like she's so there i mean th- there's kind of this negotiation that goes on like this is a space for us but what can we do with it what does it mean and it's really only because the police uh are targeting him in the way that he does that eventually you know, he he does come over to this idea. Well, no, we have to be. You know, like if we don't have any space but this, yeah. And they're pushing back on that, and they're not even letting us have that. Right. We need to stand up. We we need to be. So it's like, you know, it's just I think a beautiful illustration of how you have the authority, the establishment, thinking that they are going to squash this potential, and instead actually creating that potential you know what i mean like fostering that but, potential. but overtly overtly believing that to allow a black culture that can thrive is going to be a detriment to society yeah yeah they think yeah. it's going to hurt them you know uh, all, all pinned on the we mentioned the name pulley uh, the character pulley yeah who's the constable there at the uh you know the 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 beat cop lead, right. you know, and As he gives these come. people hell. Yeah, there there, there are some great, uh, you know, I, the, there are some great performances in, oh, in God, yes. this uh, this film. Yeah, um, unfortunately, across, he's one of them across the board. And, well, I was going to say, you yeah, know, and I gotta to. I gotta give credit to my to my white brothers <laughs> who, who put themselves into these roles that are not very you know at all very flattering roles yeah. it's you know to play a character that despicable with that kind of uh oomph mm-hmm. in a way it's got to be a tough decision to make because I, then people are going to see you i was going to say i don't you know. think i'm ever going to see sam sproul into that's the actor's name and yeah. i don't i know no, no, no. britain is very forgiving of those kinds of things they appreciate acting in a way that americans that do may not. be that may be and he acted he's very, been he's very been typecast well. to me at this point yeah, <laughs> do you? He'll be a great Bond villain, and you'll forget. Yeah, the whole thing. there you go. Yeah. There you go. If um, I went and saw David Bond, Car- Carlos, or, or, you you before Bond, you alluded that you'd that you this movie touched a nerve, maybe. Oh, I mean, like I said when we did Trial of the Chicago Seven, that I was just incensed the entire time, just filled with this like fury and rage. Once like, you learn that it's history, it just makes you matter. Oh, yeah, it makes me matter, but yeah. I was already plenty fucking pissed like yeah. before I knew that it was real because I'm watching this and I'm just like, yeah, like you like this happens and it can be done, and it it just reminds you that like there's no ethical way to be a law enforcement officer. Like if you have chosen to participate in this particular institution, you have chosen to be complicit. And oh, this is you, like you'd have to man the third episode of this anthology. The, we I almost wish we had watched that so we could talk about it because it, it, it's 
I don't know. I just I hope that I remember the sentence you just said. In a little while. Uh, and I'm just like I'm just watching this, and I'm just like, I mean, no, it can't it it can't sit well with anybody to watch the you know state sanctioned institution that is being marketed to you as an institution that is there for your benefit explicitly not only not be there for your benefit not even be absent but be actively working against your benefit and your best interest mm. and nobody who's going to do anything about it like you know we, it's obviously been like a topic over the course of 2020 and much longer than that but really came to like you know a boil this last year and was discussed in more like specific and concrete terms than maybe it has before about what alternatives are but like when a police officer does something they're not supposed to do, who's investigating that or holding them accountable? Other police officers. And it's in their best interest to say that that police officer did not do anything wrong or acted within their right. their rights or within reason or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you just have this fucking shit cycle of a system that is going to keep shitting on the people that it wants to shit on because who's there to tell them to stop? Yeah, like, right. there is I, the I, institution of authority is the one doing the evil things and you can't stop that from happening as long as that institution is still validated and still exists. And the validation is a key part of the evidence in the trial is, uh, I mean, you, in fact, that's the, um, prosecution's closing statement is look, it's these people versus the police. And we all know as good citizens, we believe everything the police does. Yeah. He says, why would they make up evidence? Why would they fabricate this? Like, bitch, why do you fucking think? Because they're going (laughs) off doing whatever. Like, that's such a ridiculous question. And to be so naive is to think that even a predominantly white jury is just going to be like, yeah, you're right. The police would have never do anything wrong. Like, fuck you. I, I believe that there are, I believe that there were reasons why during the jury selection process, each of them had a goal. Each yeah. side had a goal. Sure. Yeah, one for let's, sure. let's get the jury as black, if you will, as possible, and one let's get that as white as possible. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, can, all, I mean the, uh, both of you have been called into jury duty, right? I mean, yes. not in a very, very long time. I mean, time. the one time I was seated I will tell on a, a jury... jury duty story during After Hours. Okay. Tonight. okay. Thank well, you. I'm just going to, I'll make Write the quick point here that the one time that I was picked for a jury, the whole questioning process had so much to do with whether or not we would be biased against the testimony of a police officer. Yeah. That was the thing that they were most concerned about in the jury selection process was, did any of us harbor any sort of, you know, had we had experience with law enforcement that had gone negatively? Did we feel like we could accept the testimony of a law enforcement officer in a way that we could? So it is something that people are attuned to now. I don't know if in 1970, 71, 72, it was as parent that that's something you know like to to us watching it now like you i hear somebody say like why would they plant the evidence what and like because that happens all the time because it happens all the time and it's because now somebody is looking at the bad things they've been doing and they don't want to be held accountable for those things and punished for that right so you know well now with video technology we can see more things oh yeah for sure and i I was thinking about that that's true but it's also trials like this you know what i mean like that the fact that this trial played out the way it did and you know reading a little bit about the history of it after watching it that statement at the end made by the judge that there was racial bias on both sides which to my contemporary ears reads like Oh, that's like a Trump, there's good people on both sides kind of statement. It did feel like that. But in that moment, the power of it was, 
him admitting yeah. that there was bias on the part and, of the police. And they yeah. cut to the, prosec- like the, they cut to the prosecuting attorney who, like, go, you know, yeah. I mean, and, there was a... Pretty- and even, even one of the, um, the people on trial who, um, the... Oh, I'm on Steve McQueen's page. Um, uh, Darkus. Oh, yeah. He says at one point when they're in the, like, room where they go in between, like, when they're on break or whatever uh says like we just got someone to admit that this is about race that like race is an issue in this thing like the fact that he just said that out loud in a courtroom is a win yeah give it like the same but another reason why i'm just like and it's crazy kylie fell asleep during this movie and i fucking cannot understand how like i was so wound oh come up on the you're, whole you're the movie sleeper i know i am <laughs> i know i learned it from watching you i know i she know learned it from watching you but but my larger point being that the content of this movie yeah. had me so wound up that i couldn't imagine feeling any moment of relaxation that would allow me to fall asleep yeah um I didn't, see, and, that's, and, that's interesting you say that because that's not my experience. But I believe that we are, if we talked about the politics of this movie, we'd agree on a hundred percent of it. I don't get wound up. I'm, I, I get immersed in because at the end of the day, the cinematic experience. I hope that we can like spare a couple minutes to talk about the cinematic representation of a trial, mm-hmm. which we're like. You're right, Carlos. We just watched it a couple of months ago. Yeah, with a bigger cast and a more stars, bigger cast budget, for sure. and yeah. Um, punchier dialogue yeah. <laughs> maybe it's, it's a sorkin project well it's a Sork, it's sorkin yeah. dialogue yeah. however you um, want to describe that it's it's like a, a, a snappier dialogue or, yeah, yeah it's that hyper realist like nobody actually talks like this right. but it sounds real enough that you're like oh, i started thinking about the cinematic part and i forgot about my original point oh, no. well i'm glad you brought up the cinematic part of it because this, let's go there because in this movie i mean uh, mcqueen has always had a um a distinct style, uh, like a distinct look, um, uh, to a certain extent, uh, at least in the films that I've seen from him, which the only one I haven't seen is 12 years a slave. Uh, I just missed that one the year it came out, mm. uh, in 2013, I wasn't really going to the theater all that much. Um, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> no, I know. Well, you, you'll, you'll watch it. Well, uh, but I'm just saying there's like, there, there was a period of time where I didn't go to the movies that yeah. much. And, wow. uh, that was it during that period of time. Was. But I, but I've seen shame and I've seen hunger and like, obviously we did widows and whatnot. Um, and before that I could see that like, okay, you know, he has a certain way that he likes to show us things and, uh, especially in shame and hunger or whatever, you know, certain color palette kind of things going on. But between Widows and then now this, I feel like we're starting to get visual trademarks from him. Mm. Um, I agree. The way that Spike Lee has the dolly shot, mm-hmm. you know, where as soon as you see that, you're like, fucking Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, in this one, I noticed something that we talked specifically about in Widows, which is the camera being very, like, stagnantly fixed to a moving object. Mm-hmm. And there is a shot, like a sequence in this, where the camera is fixed to the top of a police car yeah. with the most, like, prominent thing in focus being, like, the light siren situation and the police car moving and driving around or whatever and then pulling up in front of the mangrove. And I saw that and I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And which which in Widows it was like a, attached to the car, yeah. and we were looking at Colin Farrell, right? Uh, not no, Firth no. is the British one. Colin Farrell is the he was the <laughs> same guy, different country. Uh, Firth Farrell. Yeah, he was he was the um, what's the name of the? This is a fun game. What? No, what's the name of that political office that's in, in president in Chicago? 
Um, it's like a very local Teamsters. kind of thing. Um, fuck, man. Oh, like the alderman's office? Alderman. Alderman. Oh, yeah, 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 he's yeah. like he's like the alderman, in that, but he's like in the back of that limo, and it's driving through, and you can see the town being reflected off the window, and how yeah. it changes from being, you know, uh, slightly at, lower affluent, income to yeah. then as he arrives at his the very edge of his district where yeah. he lives, and it's very affluent or whatever. Yeah. It very, those two moments are very similar visually. Yeah, uh, and I like that we're seeing him establish these things. Like, okay, this is kind of my thing now you know yeah <laughs> I, i'm gonna throw my cards on the table this movie will appear in my top five for 2020 uh, easily mm. uh, i i am steve mcqueen insufficient period insufficient i, I, I don't you haven't seen enough of i films? don't want to even tell you the truth oh, oh you've never that, seen any of his films that, okay other okay. than the two we've done so I think... Is that, is that what it is i, I don't know what you're talking about dude. <laughs> you're not gonna make me say things i don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> until we drink the next beer yeah until um, after hours when we had a few. i am so impressed by this project the anthology small acts yeah uh, i mean i i've already said it go watch it yeah Just get started yeah 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 it starts with a different film which we'll talk about in a little bit but this is the longest one i understand this no, is the, this, this is the is first, the first one that and the longest with. that's right yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's it, over two hours right i i, I watch them the other direction Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Why did you do that? Uh, I'll tell you in the second half. But um, <laughs> this this is a feature length film um, length, the two hour film. We're used to this. Yeah. Uh, the only criticism that I have, and it takes nothing away from the film because I believe the the performances and the social require this should be this film should be required viewing in history class in high school. You yeah. Know? I mean, in my opinion, in the UK for sure. Um, and I love it when a history class film is so good. That you don't mind watching it for the sheer movie going up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how many times I can watch this for, like, sanity's sake. Oh, like, I, yeah. My I, blood pressure, but... I think I'll watch this again. I, yeah. You know, I think I'll watch... Next year, uh, And maybe. definitely the whole series, but uh, it's... it's There are... Cinematically, it telescopes events. I understand every single decision. Yeah. Um, there are standout courtroom bits. Yeah. There are... Um, Darkest... Fucking ripping pulley to pieces. Yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah. oh, so gratifying. <laughs> right. There, there are some great moments in the courtroom. Yeah. And, and but there are, uh, there are pieces of this puzzle that could have been taken out and taken about 10, 15 minutes out of it. Huh. Uh, everything about. I think it's possible, but I wouldn't do it. Maybe I wouldn't either. You know, you know what I'm saying? Also, like, the music is great. Yeah. Well, that's in. A, uh, yeah, that's I, all you need to say. I, this movie is excellent. That for the excellent. second film because you, you it know, has it, to be said about this one too, though. No, it does. But in it, and it really he doesn't mind making an hour ten film. So why did this need to be? T- and it might have been some to all fluff. of the anthology from what I've Mika seen. Mika Levy. This does all of it. N- well, she did. I, I, I'm these not even first two. I'm not talking score I'm as t- much I, as just. I, I'm talking both. But wall to wall soundtrack, it, score included, but especially yeah. the popular music that's peppered throughout. Okay, this movie. I know this is like a really fucking tiny thing, and I'm such an asshole for uh, right. bringing it up. Hold on. But man. this movie say? takes place in 1971, uh-huh. and there's a special song in it. Oh. The special's first album comes out in 1979. Was there a special song in it? I guess I did. I missed that one. There was. Okay. Um, but it should also be noted. Well, f- first of all, we love Mika Levy. Uh, she did Under the Skin, which is a fucking incredible movie mm-hmm. that everybody should watch. But this uh, this film ends with one of my top five favorite songs of all time. 
Do you remember what song ends this film? No, I don't. Uh, Pressure Drop. Oh, didn't it open with Pressure Drop, too? It may have. I think it opens and ends with Pressure Drop. I distinctly remember the ending, though, because it was a pretty fun song, uplifting song, to me at least. Uh, in my relationship with it, yeah, it definitely never... is because it opens with that scene of them like smoking and playing cards, yeah. and, the, and it's pressure drop. Okay, it's on, yeah. and then it ends with it as well. Yeah, and I remember hearing that and being so jarred by it because pressure drop for me is like, and more of the specials version than the Toots and the Maytals version. Though I do appreciate them both, um, just slightly prefer the specials version. Um, it's one of those songs where it doesn't matter how bad a mood I'm in. If I put that song on, I will instantly be happy and in a good mood. It fixes <laughs> That's great. all it's of my problems. Song. That and a journey to the island off the Jurassic Park soundtrack. You've the mentioned. I think yeah. I've mentioned You've this mentioned before. David, do you drop. mind if I clarify a point? Sure. Justice prevails. Yeah. The tension in the courtroom does not sufficiently cinematically make you believe justice prevailing. I imagine that justice prevailed very difficultly, but once they got on a roll, and there was always like strife in the back room when they were in the room together, the the delivery of the positive verdict, knowing nothing about the case, should have been more a surprise. That's my only complaint of the film. Yes, they show the the judge being a hard ass. Yes, they show the um, jury selection not going their way. I know that there are obstacles, but then ultimately it's like bang, win, win, win indecision justice and i I don't know how you fix that it's the script because i know they were probably keeping true to the court case but that's my only criticism it is so tiny yeah this film might be in my top three of the year i'm I'm still working it out as i drive around every day (laughs) i work those things out in my head i hear you yeah no i i'm starting to think that way too because we are getting close to where we've seen most of what we feel like we need Uh, to i I feel i'm I'm itching to do our end of the year um but yeah i mean i I, it's hard for me i mean i i I feel like anything that I threw at this that would be, yeah, you know, I like, oh, here's way. a flaw. I feel like it's nitpicking Agreed. because <laughs> to me, I wasn't as incensed as Carlos, but like Carlos, I was totally uh, drawn into this thing. You know, like I said, from the beginning, the very setting of it, I found compelling. I wanted to keep following it. I thought the performances were great. Um, the score was great. The, the the songs they use in the soundtrack was great. Um, it, it just... Set design, the 70s feel, all of it. Yes, right. Absolutely. Capturing the era, yeah. the period. It, it's just, you know, top to bottom, what, one of the best films that I've seen this year. So, yes, it'll it'll very likely, if it isn't in my top five. Um, we did see Invisible Man. <laughs> we sure did. Well, uh, yeah. uh, Carlos, deliver the final verdict. Is it unanimous? Yeah, it's a fucking great movie. Yeah. And if you don't think so, you're wrong. And it's okay to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> it is. And you know, hey, yeah, that's there's always the subjectivity involved, but I think coming away from this and not enjoying it, fine. Coming away from it and saying it's a poorly made film, you're, you, you're out to lunch. Yeah. You, you, you got to get out of here. Out of pocket. Yeah, no, I mean... You, I, I, I can definitely imagine not enjoying this. Sure. Because it's fucking stressful. It is. And like, you know... Or, you know, again, like I can see, you know, some people just courtroom drama is not, you know, they, they sure. hate courtroom drama. Yeah, and agreed. I get that. If that's, yeah. you know, that is a big emphasis, as you put it. You know, but this whether one has cool accents. <laughs> it does. Gotta have the it subtitles does. on for some, probably. Yeah, you know, honestly, I did go subtitles at a certain point I'm, on this one. I mean, I watch subtitles with everything. So already when that you're was at home. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I went at home. 
I think subtitles more with the second one. Sure. Which brings us to closing out this segment. Yeah, sure. we, we How did we feel that. about the beer? Holy smokes, Marshall, what a gift you have delivered us. I am totally impressed with with this offering. Um, I was getting, the, you know, already on the nose, Joe had said, you know, getting the kind of brandy note there. It's there in the flavor as well, though really nicely balanced. It is not like one of those booze bomb kind of uh, imperials that, that we right. get that's aged in a barrel. Um, the, the other adjuncts that are in there, I know there was some, spe- there was nutmeg, cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon and vanilla beans, vanilla, chili pepper. Chi- yeah, definitely a little bit of the chili spiciness. Mm-hmm. It's just, but it's all in such good balance. Yeah. Great mouthfeel on this. You know, he said it was going to be chewy. Right. He was right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm a convert. I mean, I hear they boil the base. Uh, I hear I did some research. I hear a lot of people are saying uh, <laughs> they boil their base to, for the cocoa bolo base yeah. for six hours in an attempt to get that mouthfeel. Wow! They're trying to get silky, silky mouthfeel. They did it. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think that the uh, art on this is perfect because it's very not, elegant. It's very elegant. I had to turn it around to find those adjuncts. Yeah. There's not a big chili pepper on the front. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not like a, a cartoon character is soaking in a, a hot tub of vanilla. Right. <laughs> and I like which that. could be a fun label, but this isn't. That. I like yeah. that because well, if they do that, the vanilla better hit you over the head, and sure. the chili better be all over it. This is so delicate. Yeah, and so drinkable. Yeah, and I'm so glad that I can say this truthfully, given that it was a gift to us. Oh yeah, uh, this is a beautiful representation of some very complex brewery business in South Dakota. Carlos, do do we have unanimity on this one? Yes. Well, I have saved one last sip. Oh, okay. Just this so is, I could give the most immediate, the slow motion again, immediate review. <laughs> That's right. He, possible. We, we don't want there to be any lag time between his sip and his uh, pronouncement. You didn't taste the first. He's, seven he's taking it, folks. It's going down the gullet. The, the the glass is left behind a very dark. That's thick right. Residue. It is coated. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, yeah. This beer is A+. <laughs> it's unanimous, folks. This beer is as good as the film, which I am giving an A+. Absolutely. This is a great pairing right here where you have a fantastic Imperial Milk Stout uh-huh. with these beautifully balanced adjuncts uh-huh. um, from a state that's relatively new to us. Yes. Um, yeah. c- c- coming to us at the same time that we're seeing this film that deliver- delivers this beautiful slice of British history that was totally unknown to us before and actually sounds like it's unknown to a lot of British folks as well. I I don't have any complaints about this beer. Okay. But if there was more of the chili, I would not be upset about Okay, it. all right. But I think that literally everything about this beer is perfect. Yeah. It's got the ABV right. Yeah. It's got the mouthfeel right. I'm getting a nice amount of that cinnamon in there, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's got... Uh, the right amount of sweetness from the apple brandy barrels right. because I don't I don't know how many apple brandy barreled beers you've had I haven't had a ton but I have had a few and some of them are crazy yeah, sweet Prairie has a great one that uh, is it apple brandy noir that they, the 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 one that I'm remembering the most distinctly I think it was David you might have uh, been there at uh, Daniel's. Mm-hmm. Um, Harold brought a, a Mostra cavernous. Oh yeah, from Weathered Souls, which was apple 
it was an apple brandy barrel aged coffee imperial stout with this that and the other it was like 16 yeah. percent. it was like syrup coming out of the bottle yeah and it was just crazy sweet it yeah. was good but, but for like is, yeah. two ounces, it was good. Yeah. yeah, this I could drink this whole bottle of. I think I and have too. a fantastic, That's, which time. I don't always say about Imperial. Question: stuff. If that was a sixteen percent, I think that you'd be feeling some of what you're talking about. Maybe that, 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 yeah, that, no, that, if it was that, that alcohol has to come from sugar yeah. and flavor. So yeah, um, maybe the other bottle you're talking about just tried to go too large on that. Which ABD. they, which Weathered Souls often does, go pretty big <laughs> and bad on big. the stouts. I mean, it, it doesn't. Know. Dissuade me from buying a beer. High ABV no. does not make me scared. No, it does not. All right, thank you again. Yeah, and uh, we will drink that second South Dakota beer in after hour on right. Patreon. Get on the Patreon. That's right. We'll but be- we'll be back for all you listeners after the break with another beer and another film from the Small Act series. Okay. Snuck it in there. You always do. Uh, so, so as you know, you've been listening to the first half. We are going to be talking about the second film in the Small Axe series. But before we get to that, we are going to get our glasses filled. In this case, we are filling them with a with a repeat brewery, a brewery that we have been to before. I think at least I'm filling once these or with twice. raspberry syrup is what we filled it with. Uh, <laughs> this that is, is a thick pour. This is Great Notion. They are out of Oregon, Portland, Oregon, to be specific. Mm. The uh, burning city of Portland, Oregon. Oh. That, uh, yeah. Um, this is a ten percent, ten percent tart ale with black currant, boysenberry, marionberry. And vanilla. It is Ooh. called Triple Berry Shake, and it has a lumberjack-looking fella with berries filling his undercarriage. You know, overalls. Yeah. I overalls, smell them. Yeah. I do smell the Marion berries. Well, that's not even overalls. It's just like a guy with really big pants and suspenders. But yeah, that, that's uh, <laughs> it's it's still berry filled. Yeah. All We're gonna right. get into a thing about what overalls are. Okay. Well, we can, but look, they're suspenders. Talk about a rabbit hole. That's a lumberjack l- overall outfit. But you're right. Okay, the suspenders. Are, okay, never mind. There's a bunch of berries listed across the top, and I'm smelling every single one of them. Yeah, uh, it, it is well, pouring. Boys- <laughs> you had sure. I've had boysenberry pie. Now I've not. I don't know that I've ever had a Marionberry though. All right. I'm just going back to the pink guava I, yeah. debacle of 2020. So, so yeah. this is pouring like a deep dark purpley red um definitely getting the berries but also like a i don't know sweet the vanilla the vanilla i'm definitely getting on the nose wow which we love this is going to be interesting wow okay you smelling that yeah tart ale and a bunch of berries we have this like i think it's a marion berry like uh sraticella gelato in the freezer right now and emits a similar odor Go get it and let's put a scoop in the last <laughs> sip that we, that we drink. All right, I would, well, but Kylie would be just upset based, with me. Just based on the uh, the smell alone, I, I think I'm falling in love, which sets us up nicely for a film called Lovers Rock. And so does the name, the name Triple Berry Shake, because yeah. what we're about to go to is a house party. We're about to go to a place where we dance and listen to some fantastic Rostam music. 
Now we're back in 1968. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, no, I think 1980. This is closer to 80. Yeah. 80. Yep. Based okay. on the based on the music. Okay. I, would say. The, I got. I wanted to watch Lovers Rock first. This is the second film in the anthology. If you watch them in order on Prime Video. But it's the one that I had seen getting a lot of love on those lists, and yeah. I was really excited to see it. And then understanding that the anthology films were not designed to work together or in right. order, right. I watched Lovers Rock first because my beautiful fiance was going to be watching with me, and I thought she'd enjoy it. I'm going to lead with what she told me to tell you. Okay. This movie is high, high, high on my, her, visually appealing rating scale. Her favorite thing about a movie is if it's just gorgeous to look at. Yeah. And I completely agree with her. Yeah. It's the course of one evening. It is a house party where folks show up, pay a small entry fee, and... Uh, if, if, if they're males. Yeah. Right? <laughs> ladies get in free, baby. Yeah, no cover for ladies. Earlier in the day, the DJs had shown up and put together their single Mercury sound. The sound right? system. Sound system. Uh, the, Man, Samson is my guy. The three matriarchs <laughs> are in the kitchen just putting together delicious plates of food that will be available along mm-hmm. with some Red Stripe or Coke if you want one. And folks from across the neighborhood and across the city show up from this same kind of West Indies, uh, you know, background. Mm-hmm. And we watch them have a party. Yes. We watch yeah. them dance. We watch them try to hook up with girls and guys. We watch them get into arguments. I was reminded so much about Dazed and Confused mm-hmm. in this film, a night in the life of kind of film. Yeah. And I love that movie and maybe the vibe of that kind of delivery whenever it's well executed is just my jam because guys this movie was my jam i loved this one i can't figure out which one i liked more it, i think it's fitting that consequence of sound put this at number one on their top ten, uh, 10 best films list yeah makes sense for a music sure bar. but also something that goes back to your roots adam kempinar film spotting also put it at number one yeah um this movie made me miss the NASA so much. Mm. And it made me miss DJing so much. Mm. And then it also made me hate shows uh-huh. and parties. because It shows you some good and it shows you some bad. Well, because I am, you know, normally... You know, it made me miss the NASA because that's predominantly... If I'm DJing a dance party, that's where it is. Or if I'm attending one, that's where it is. But as far as just like shows and, um, you know, like events like that go, most often when I'm at them, it's at the shop. Yeah. Because that's like a work thing. And so like I have to be at those, obviously. It's my shop. And it just made me think about all the times I've had to kick people out. Yeah. Because there are plenty of people in this film that I would have kicked out immediately. Yeah. (laughs) And the plot essentially is... uh, you're viewing a house party in this specific time period with these specific type of people, group mm-hmm. of group of people. Right. There are plot lines within as we get to know the characters. There's folks that quote unquote fall in love. There's folks that amplify their social situation to the girl, and then the girl finds out that uh, maybe it's not as high as it was. There's a guy that uh, goes a little too far with a girl behind a wall. That's it. Way yeah, too I was far. Say, yeah, that, a little too far is, yeah. that happens at these yeah. parties was, from time to time. So you see the good, you see the bad, but you see a slice of beautiful life, if you will. I mean, I, w- I would agree that the majority of this film is positive. I mean, there is a sequence, and I didn't I didn't really think about it until the very end. 
of or not the very end of it but about halfway a little over halfway through this particular sequence and i wanted to go back and rewatch it before we did this but i didn't have time um where you're just you're just watching people vibe Mm -hmm. like they're just vibing and like dancing and then the dj or the selector as they were probably called back then in this context yeah uh take um what don't let me forget about the word selector um cuts the music out and then the entire crowd just start continues singing the song right and it goes on for a very extended period of time but it's not too long it's never like unwanted or overstates its welcome and it feels like one shot at a certain point because the camera's moving through the crowd so much i don't think that it is one shot that's why i wanted to go back and look at it again um you know, I had a similar thought. But there thought. are very long yeah. periods of takes of, you know, yeah. they're not static shots. They're Because hey, the camera's moving sh- so he's much. He's just showing you. It, it's almost like he's in the party with the camera and it's sure. just kind of looking, yeah. pointing it at stuff and just being like, okay. You're I'm dancing here. with them. Yeah. I mean, you, you, the camera is moving like that. Um, yeah, no, that that is a standout sequence. In that song, which is uh, Janet Kay's Silly Games, I was not familiar with. Um, there were... But, several songs in this. But it was a huge hit. So I learned so much watching this. Like the, the, I bought know. so many records after watching this. Did you? Yeah. Oh, good on you. I, I Nothing need... specifically from it necessarily, but I was just listening to it and I was like, wait, there's so much in here yeah. that I loved. Yeah. Also on Discogs, Janet K. Silly Game, genre, reggae style, lovers rock. Well, okay. Uh, so that you're, 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 you're stealing my thunder here. This is, are you a rude I've, gal or a soul head? <laughs> I've just learned so much here. So... You know, to go back to what Joe was saying, I had the same kind of thought. Like, this is of a certain kind of, you know, like if if Mangrove is kind of a courtroom drama film, this I would put. But heavy drama out of the courtroom, too. We're watching some intense. Yes, right, right, right. So, courtroom drama film. You know, this one I would put into that strange little subgenre of the nighttime hangout party film Mm -hmm. which i would put you know you've already said days and confused american graffiti i mean there's a few of these films that are kind of like you know what do people do young people primarily do on a given evening and and how that might both be mundane but also profound in some ways and give us this kind of like you know small glimpse into the lives of these people in this moment in time which you know is late 70s early 80s in this case and, and among West Indian immigrants in uh, London. So, you know, I, I think that, that this gives us another perspective, as this series does, on this same community, even though it's much more focused on their joy and their community in a positive way than Mangrove was. Um, but it taught me, because I, I don't know if you guys remember, but when we were talking about this, I mean, one of the things that made me excited about it is, like, this is the title of a Sade album. I love Sade. Uh, the, the idea that it, but what I hadn't realized, and I feel terrible that I that I never did the research, is like her album was an homage to this entire subgenre of reggae that existed primarily in London, or at least it was embraced in in uh, the UK of lovers rock, yeah, which it were sort of like more sentimental, um, you know, love based reggae songs rather than the more like overtly political stuff that was coming out of people like Bob Marley and the, you know the, the, so this was like sp- a specific sort of moment in time and the kind of music that these folks were were tapping into and Janet Kay was one of the more successful ones this was a huge song for her but it n- 
Never heard it, right? And so I remember very early in the film, as they're setting up for the party, you have the women cooking in the kitchen, and they're singing this song. Yeah. And they clearly all know it very yeah. well. Yeah. And they're yeah. just, and I'm like, I don't know what this song is. It's like, like it was, the three of us busted out Gangnam Style right now. No, oh, come on, stop that. Oh, what? my God. You See, I was about, I'm building to a beautiful moment, oh, and go then ahead. you just shat upon it. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you let, literally, let me, let me pick you that up and put it back in. Turd Hold on, on this, give it back to me. Give it back to me. <laughs> I, that was, that was, that was rough. Please continue. I mean, the the only way you could have said it worse is if it was like, yeah, it's like we're a bunch of guys from Boston singing Sweet Caroline after a Sox game. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, no. But, you know, yeah. The, the ladies are in the kitchen, a the beautiful ladies, moment. And they're singing this. And I'm like, and it, and it was almost bothering me that, like, I feel like I should know this song. Right. How do I not know this I song? I should be singing along, If too. these women are, like, so invested in it, and it's clearly this this huge song for them. And then when it shows up later... When it becomes the song that they're listening to on the dance floor that everybody starts singing along with, and then they actually cut the sound and just let the acapella, you know, uh, version of the song that's emanating from these people in the room take over. It was so powerful um, that I don't know. Like now, that is instantly one of my. It, it's a top lovers rock song for me. I'll yeah. say that, uh, that I just I I can't imagine. So so I feel like this film has given me. Not only this wonderful experience of seeing this night in the lives of these characters and how it all unfolds, and both it's mostly its beauty, but some of its ugliness as well. But man, it introduced me to a whole new subgenre of reggae that yeah. I'm now, you know, I haven't quite taken the plunge that Carlos has, but well, I have a feeling. I didn't buy a bunch of Lovers Rock records. Okay, I was going to say, like, I have a feeling my Discogs want list is going to grow here pretty soon once I start going on and adding stuff. And I did actually already find a great Spotify official playlist for uh, Small Acts that has a lot of these songs from across the series. Oh, we need to but share that on our social media. I, yeah, That's yeah, fantastic. definitely will. See, the Mangrove is the kind of film that I enjoy because it can teach me about an experience that I don't know about fully. Right. I am a white man. Mm-hmm. I can true. be as empathetic and 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 uh, stand side by side right. with with a with the black cu- with the black culture experience. Sure. Thank you. But lovers rock. I could. I, I've been to parties. I was the guy <laughs> looking at the girl that was trying to figure out which girl might be the most interested in sure. me. Sure. I was the uh, guy that resented the asshole that watched and in, walked into the party that tried to you know mm-hmm. th- th- that character that that we talked about a little bit earlier that. They're all there just being guys trying to be around girls. And that mm-hmm. is relatable. I don't care where you're from. Yeah. That's what I liked about this movie was how relatable it was. How I saw that I had had the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. We might not have a different... Uh, we might have a different accent. We might not have the same skin color. But we are all the same. Mm-hmm. I loved that about this movie. The, and the shot, those lingering long shots... When the lo- when the the slow song, when you grab the girl and the girl grabs the guy, that they're maybe trying to see if we can if something can happen, and how far on her ass can you grab? Yeah. There's a lot of shots of him. A lot of shots of him making moves, trying but, to. But yeah. it was the barometer of the health. No, not the health, but like the how far along the relationship of those two lovers for the night had had met mm-hmm. was how much can you grab? Vibe the, check. The it was a vibe check. It. This movie was gorgeous, and and I, I thought it was just wonderful. Yeah, no, I, I mean the the scenes of this dance, movie might be on my top five list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this one I would say probably 
has an even better chance than Mangrove uh, of being in my top five. That was a question I have for you. But, you know, hearing Carlos talk about how this made him think of the NASA, which is a particular venue Venue, in this town that exists, um, that that has bands, but also dance nights. And, you know, um, this film did... the best place to DJ. ...did make me so... Which I already did, but, like, even more so, profoundly pine for... Being able to gather together, and well, n- not even music, just live, but right, be together right. with people, listening to music, Camille, dancing, yeah. enjoying each other's company. I, I, you know, I'm I'm too old and and tied down to really be thinking about the the games, the silly games right. of it. But man, I can. But you st- remember your games, David Gurney. I can still get down with some kung <laughs> fu fighting. There was no bigger kung game. Kung fu fighting, yeah. Oh was, man, when oh, they start dancing to kung fu fighting, oh, you're right. it's I was fucking just, bad. It makes well, me like, like that song. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> I've never seen people dance like yeah. that. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I want the chance to do a kung fu fighting dance. And every single era has every single like uh, half year era yeah. has that shitty shitty song that everyone knows. I it's on the radio every ten minutes. It's not a kung shitty. Fu I was gonna say would have been the one. I, I, I'm rethinking it, and I don't think that it's shitty. I think but that in I its thought, context, it's not. I think I thought Let's that take, it was. Let like, me take us back to Gangnam Style here for okay. a while. Guys. <laughs> here we go. I think that at one point I thought that uh, Gangnam Style, I'm just kidding, I thought Kung Fu Fighting was kind of cheesy, but now I think I love that song. Also, when they start playing that Sister Sledge song that Will Smith samples and getting jiggy with it, I was like, let's go! Like, let's get some fucking disco in there, let's get this moving. Uh, This movie got me hyped. Yeah, Uh, I mean, it made so me... many phases of the dance floor too. You yeah. know, you get early on in the night when it's really just a few women who've showed up early. Guys wall leaning. Yes, being exactly. Too cool, the guys smoking. haven't had enough to smoke or drink to really feel bold enough to do it. Yeah, and then once the, they the get... clown on the mic, the the hype man. Yeah, the, the... toasting the whole time. Oh, He's great, so yeah. good. Which, the, actually, their single effect of the siren that they overuse. Yeah, <laughs> which I could never do. I think it 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 did sort of in a strange Such way. A good movie. Uh, flash me back to Wakaliwood and the idea yeah. of the mm-hmm. you know the the, sort the Joker of, track yeah the yeah. Joker track where you have the guy just like shouting out these which is you know what MCs you know in in these situations mm-hmm. were doing back then but uh, I mean the whole time I'm thinking like I'm just like this guy sounds so fucking cool this is I mean I uh, you know after when I was probably like 17 or 18 I got heavy into dancehall reggae really I was like you know listening to you know once i realized that sublime stole everything that they ever did from all these jamaican dance hall and 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 other reggae artists um i started getting into that super heavy i listened to so much half pint and so much barrington levy and just all of this kind of stuff where you hear these guys that are just toasting on the mic the whole time you know super cat was like a more like an americanized kind of hip-hop version of that a little bit you can hear him on sugar ray's number one hit single fly uh oh yeah because there's a version of it that doesn't have super cat on it that's fucking terrible um and so like just hearing all that stuff and you know hearing like him say all the things all the little catchphrases or whatever that you would hear on those dancehall tracks is like so dope because yeah. that's how it started. Like that's how that genre became a thing was DJs toasting. You know, it's it's the same way that how rap started. Like MCs would 
you know, party rock over the DJ playing music and get people hyped. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that just became They what, became a little star. That became what happened. Like, people were starting to go to CMCs because right. of their witty punchlines right. and the jokes and stuff. And, and then that... So, just, I don't know, seeing all of that and seeing how... Seeing it, like, so authentically represented and, uh, you know, I hope that a lot of people watch this movie because there's so much that is shown in it that got, you know, taken um, and, like, appropriated or you see influences of it other places, but this is, like, the very, like, raw, authentic version of... You know, like if you're a Sublime fan, you need to see this movie because there's so much that, like, this is where Bradley, Bradley Noel got everything that he ever, like, did from was this culture. You know, this is where, you know, like the Clash and the Specials and, like, all yeah. these places are mining their influence from. And especially, like, there's a scene where CT, the guy who comes in causing all the problems, he comes, he, you know, he comes in and uh, he, there's a scene where he's dancing. And he's dancing in the middle of the room, and he's just fucking going for it, like all crazy, yeah, and almost, almost kind of like um, seems like he's going to start moshing, almost, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's skanking, is what he's doing. He is, and like, and from as someone that like was in ska bands and like went to like has seen a ton of ska shows, like you know, but like third wave American ska punk, like Real Big Fish and Mustard Plug and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so funny how dorky and corny skanking became in its like various iterations like through that mm-hmm. third wave phase yeah. uh, that happened in the 90s and then you see somebody who comes from like like the or who's representing somebody that comes from the time and place in which it originated and seeing him do it and you can see how this like kind of nerdy crouched down like hunched over version of skanking came from but you can see him do it and you're like man this guy looks fucking cool like this looks fucking so cool i get why this kind of dancing started or whatever he's just like in there and he's just fucking vibing you know yeah and and he's like getting all that frustration out and stuff and then by the end of the party everyone's just fucking so turned up yeah and they're just like yelling at the dj run it back run it you know and like telling to play it again that's a great sequence there where it's mostly men left on the dance floor yeah they're the only ones left the evolution out. of it going from you know starting with really just women dancing when the men are too timid then eventually it's couples and, and there's a lot of you know ass grabbing yeah. and ass grabbing going on and then eventually it turns into a floor mostly filled with men who are just really pumped up and hyped and like like you say like demanding that they keep playing back this, I saw uh, the same thing in a real big up. fish show by the way <laughs> just, just yeah but it, yeah it no, it, it's wonderful like the evolution Skank of the party the night through. where it goes and Still finding a little bit of space for a tiny bit of the sort of um, the outside world to pierce in, right? Where you have Franklin um, taking her back to the shop that he works in and that little interaction he has with his boss Uh where it just reminds you, okay, you're still on the lower rung of this society, my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You know, which... It's not a huge come down, but it's enough of one where you just kind of remember. Well, this—that's why these nights were so important. For I was curious people. to know if she'd blink at that point. I was yeah. curious to know if she'd reject him because he had put himself out. I think to be the shop owner. Yeah, he had kind of. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she didn't. Right. And then they uh, are on a bicycle together in the light of day the next morning. My God, what a great shot point. that is! But it's the shot they're using for all the promo of the film, and I find it to be a little 
disingenuous. That it's like about their love. lovers rock. Well, I was expecting. I, I didn't know. Shot. I didn't have a lot of expectations out of some kind of love story yeah. amongst this same uh, West Indies based culture. That's all I knew about it. That's not what this film is. Although that is a nice ending. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I, I liked where it ended Ooh. up. Um, it's good, man. It was. I was blown away by these two pieces of this anthology, and I can't wait to finish it and then go back and get fully educated on my Steve McQueen so that I can't declare this deficiency any longer well good i'm i, I i'm glad that th- that brought you god here. what a great episode for me people what, are, what a people great couple are, films people are wild in with their prices on discogs for silly games i bet there's some people really <laughs> swinging for the fences i'll tell you listeners if you if you have any uh you know dusty copies of this hanging out in your uh, attic why don't why don't you send them over to hybrid and uh <laughs> yeah, I've, I've really gotta we gotta figure it out y'all want to move on to this great notion yeah we, we've we, done a few of the great notion beers yeah i know i, I know at least not one being or two. satisfied no, we've liked their yeah. beers. Okay. We've liked their beers. So the uh, Triple Berry Shake, which I think was one of the songs during the film. Yeah. <laughs> Black Currant, Boysenberry, Marionberry, and Vanilla in a delicious tart ale. What'd you guys think? You just took a sip, so you're most poised. All right. I mean, it is jam in a glass. This is uh, all the berryness is there. The vanilla kind of kicks it up, or you know, it just it just gives it that kind of uh, smooth shake, out. you know, yeah. that shake quality, mm-hmm. and the mouthfeel, everything to get. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, it if if I, I, I don't have a good criticism here. Yeah. I was gonna say like if I'm gonna try to pick a weak spot, I don't know what it is, and it's ten percent, and I'm not tasting ten percent no right way. now. Although I'm speaking in a way nah. that makes me think I've had ten percent. <laughs> It took me two or three good sips to get that um, really thick milk stout out of my off my palate, off my tongue. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't even begin thinking about reviewing or enjoying the beer proper until I drank about half of what I'd poured myself. But that last half, mm-hmm. when it was just that explosion of berry and a tart that's not too tart or too weak, it's pretty well balanced. You when you said that the vanilla, the vanilla isn't critical here. Mm. Because a glass full of berry, I think, would have been too tart. The vanilla smooths yeah. it out, and I enjoyed this very much. Two for two for me tonight. Four for four for me tonight. Four yeah. for four for sure. It's fine. <laughs> really? No. This. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I was thinking maybe you're like, I'm over these sours right now. I, no. I, I've had too many. No, it's so fucking good. <laughs> we work hard to bring good beer on, so it should yeah. be no surprise that we... The beers we typically and generally enjoy. What's the point in, you know, having subpar beer? Especially <laughs> especially when it's when we're pairing them with far above par films. Usually. We're we're trying Usually. for that. I mean we're yes. I think you're I right. think coming into this episode we all knew that both these movies were fucking A plus. Very and, likely. And I <laughs> I would have been dumbfounded if either of y'all I didn't have like to. this I movie. Have I, I felt pretty confident after watching them both that I was like, yeah, this is going to be one of those episodes where everyone's just like, yeah, these movies are fucking great. And so to have had in the first half a beer sent to us that was so good, and then in the second half, not only a brewery that we know 
and have had before yeah, and, and enjoyed enjoy, and yeah. know that they have a certain standard of excellence. But to have had one of the best beers that I've had from them mm. uh, is, you know, very fitting. And, yeah. you and know, I want to repeat myself. Chef's kiss. That the films are so remarkably different by the same director in the same year. Set in the same community and the same, I yeah, mean, it, yeah. It it, it it was very fitting that these two beers were so yeah. different because yeah. on the beer spectrum, you're going to find not a lot of room for comparison here. Yeah, and they were both excellent. So good job, us. Yeah, so, so, fun so, fun night. So good. Yeah. Oh, the fun's just getting started. <laughs> oh, that's right because we have an after hours episode coming up. Um, I'm detecting that a rogue beer may appear, Carlos. <laughs> I, I, it feels like one of those nights. It's possible. We it's know we're doing possible. that farmhouse from South Dakota. Thank you one more time to our new friend, Marshall. Marshall, Tony. yes, beat me to it. Marshall, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, very excited about that. Um, although maybe not the best to follow. We talk about sequencing a lot. Farmhouse following something this decadent, ten percent. I mean all these adjuncts, the vanilla, all that kind of stuff. We'll see how that goes. Uh, there's only one way for you to uh, find out how that works out, and that is to become a patron of ours. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast for $5 a month. You will get a bonus episode every single week. So, you know, you get that main episode from us that goes from, you know, an hour to an hour and a half every single week, but then you get another episode, because we know you can't get enough of us, that, you know, usually range about 30, about 30, 40 minutes of bonus content, only $5 a month. Uh, that's about four to five episodes a week, depending on, or four to five bonus episodes a month, depending on the month. Um, can't beat it. You can... Uh, Donate less if you'd like, but you won't get the bonus content. You can donate more if you really got it like that. Um, also, make sure to connect with us on all of your favorite social media platforms, Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie. Instagram have been uh, kind of doing something a little bit different with lately, so um, definitely reach out to me on that. Um, I've been posting a lot of the beer that I have been personally drinking as I'm drinking it, kind of like a, almost like a beer diary as well as all of the other movie-related content that goes on there as well. Facebook.com slash TX. Lots of interesting discussions happen in the comments section over there. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely don't want to miss out on that. And uh, BeerAndMoviePodcast.com. Uh, you can find a link to listen to all of the past episodes there. Absolutely free, but if you're already listening to this uh, podcast, you probably already know how to find that. Uh, this has been in. This has been uh, an exceptional, I would say, episode of Beer in a Movie. Um, all of our episodes are great, but this one. Not only was our performance great. Oh, it's great! Yeah, no, but we, we, we the were, films we were in good. which we discussed was were equally as good. Yeah, Joe referenced Kingdom Style multiple times. It was in, <laughs> a, it was in rare form. It's a banner episode. That's improvisational humor, folks. That's it right, is. It is right. uh, a. A plus. Love no, but to I, see it. you know what? We have come to these this. We have come to these microphones and not really enjoyed the films or the beers. That it we has happened, yeah. So when it's just a hundred percent, it feels good. God, it, it feels does. good. It's yeah, sh- it's like you know. Y'all are so lucky listening. Yeah, <laughs> so lucky that we have that we have done this for you. Uh, until next time, you're as much to blame. Cause I know you feel the same. I can see it in your eyes, but I've got no time to live this lie. No, I've got no time to play your silly games. 